Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome in to the Sox on Tap Sunday Fun Day, presented by OnTap Sports.net. It's Johnny Nani here alongside NWI Steve. Uh, Steve, how you doing this fine evening? Well, Jonathan, um, not great. Um, you know, like a lot of a lot of people in White Sox fan base right now. I hate it here. I hate it here. That's the title of this episode. We get some, we get some drama. Did, did Tim Anderson say, I hate it here? We'll, we'll dive into that. Um, return of the trader, Jose Abreu. Uh, some injury shuffling roster-wise for the White Sox going on. All that coming up in Sunday Funday. Before we get to it, make sure to go subscribe on Tap Sportsnet on YouTube. Uh, hit the like button and a little bell so you know when we go live. Drop your comments in here. Uh, so talk socks. Uh, make sure you go and follow us on social media at Sox on Tap and at on Tap Sportsnet. All right, that'll do it. Steve, let's get in and start with return of the trader, Jose Abreu. He, he was back in town, first time on the south side uh, after signing with the Astros. And, um, you know, I'd say he got a fairly warm reception for um, seeing as there was a two-hour rain delay and that game started late on Friday. But um, how did you think it went? You know, I think it went kind of as expected. I, I did find it a little bit fascinating, you know, when you compare some of the other video tributes for guys that have come back in recent vintage, um, obviously the most notable one was the big hurt Frank Edward Thomas back in May of 2006, shortly after the team won a world series. But even then you think about guys like Mark Burley, uh, you think about AJ Pierzynski and, and some of the other guys from the world series team when, when they came back eventually, it felt like the, marketing department in the public relations department put together more extensive video packages uh, than what we saw for Jose Abreu. And then it, it was also fascinating in the sense that Abreu kind of just like sprinted out of the dugout real quick, just did a quick wave and then ran back in. He didn't stay out there on, on the field for any kind of acknowledgement or anything else like that. And it almost kind of feels as though there are still some lingering bad vibes from whatever went down um, heading into last season. Then obviously he got the standing ovation uh, before he came up to the plate for his first plate appearance, which was appropriate. Um, look, historically, he is one of the most productive and best hitters in the history of the White Sox franchise, and he deserved to be recognized for that. And I think that was done. Um, now at this point, he is a hashtag trader, and and that's all there is to it. And he is just a little slap dick um, who has like a two fifty slugging percentage. So I mean, you know, have fun with that. I love how that whole segment just turned for you, and how he's a trader. That's great. Yeah, um, just that's 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 a meme that we like to run here at Sox on Tap. He's a trader, trader Jose's. No, uh, it, well, I'm glad I was there. On, able to cheer him because you know um meant a lot and i think he was what um stands out for me and i know there's the we could dive into a few of those other uh topics that you discussed there in terms of um the extent of the uh you know recognition um that he got but um he was a bright spot on a lot of really bad teams so fans that you know you go day in day out with this team throughout all those years um jose Brees bright spot so that's um, like I said, I was glad that I was there uh, in attendance. I, I gave him a round of applause the first time. And then, uh, you know, I know there were some people that, that continued that trend um, every time he came up, but that, that was enough for me. It was, you know, thank you for your service for doing what you did. But once again, I land where you did. Now you're a trader. And um, yeah, the stat line's not necessarily impressive. So um, many are saying he's cooked. 
<laughs> you know, I have seen that uh, bandied about on the streets of um, this website. Um, it's relatively new. I think it's called Twitter.com. Um, so many are indeed saying that. And I've also seen, you know, some people trying to make justifications for him that, oh, yeah, it's his first six weeks with a new team. He always starts slow. Never mind the fact that he's got, you know, a 350 on, or excuse me, a 350 slug since, you know, the All-Star break last year. But, you know. We don't want to ruin a good narrative, I guess. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, you, you have all the jokes here. Yeah, we got. Uh, I have the same amount of dingers as the 2020 AL MVP. Hey, we all do. Hey, that's a round of applause for uh, all of us here, uh, White Sox fans. Um, okay, I, I think that about covers the brief. I, I do agree. I think it was um, definitely not as extensive, but. Um, you know, also weird, like just that window of time, uh, that delay that, that happened there. I know that was what was planned anyway. So it is kind of interesting. Um, it, it makes you just ask, you know, ask yourself like, okay, what really did go on? And I'll say it for the 850th time on the show. I wish I could be fly on the wall uh, to understand exactly what was going on. You know, like obviously between a and the Sox and, you know, the not a family, all of those comments, the, the, there's all that. I'd love to know what that's about. Then I'd love to see the marketing team putting this together. There's like video package there. Wonder if they have any, you know, like it will be like, Oh, well he, you know, went and bad mouthed us after the fact. So we're not going to, you know, <laughs> make it. You know, that's we're not, not going to overwork ourselves too much on this. One other, one other point that was kind of interesting about this. And I literally just thought about this. Remember back in, I think it was 2017 or 2018 when he hit for the cycle against the giants and he who shall not be named had a ring made specifically for him for hitting for the cycle and said individual was nowhere to be found on Friday. That was also a little fascinating. Now, granted, I mean, you know, listen, the 920 start time, I mean, you know, that's well past his bedtime there. I mean, he had his old team probably three or four hours before that, you know, before he had to get nestled into his, um, you know, mattress of, you know, $1,000 bills that he sleeps on every night. But um, that, that was also interesting, I thought. Yeah, no, that, that is. Yeah, I mean, you go and think about some of like how, it got to that point of like how they were so tight. And then there was a con uh, comments about I'm going to sign myself here and all of that um, about the kind of relationship that was there. And then kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to say completely fractured, but definitely some friction at the end. I think that's a good, good word for it there. Um, but that, that was it. Return of the trader. Jose Abreu back on the South side. Um, I was, I will say one last thing on this, uh, Steve, you and I were out to eat before the game. And you saw a ticker come up on MLB Network, and it was you know Jose Abreu and what was it last fifty? Was it fifty three? I think we're I think we're at like fifty seven or fifty eight okay. now at this point. But at the time, yeah, whatever it said, there fifty seven or fifty eight games uh, without a home run. And then you you told me you said, well, you know what that means is going to happen, <laughs> and I'm glad that did not happen in front of us. Uh, yeah, at yeah, the, that, that's one point that um, you know held them in check. So that was, yeah, that was definitely a, a concern I had just also because of the fact that I remember being at the game against Oakland in 2006 when Frank Edward Thomas hit the two home runs off John Garland in his first game back. So that was kind of in the back of my mind, but uh, I was glad that that didn't happen here. So, you know, but again, Frank Edward Thomas isn't a little slapdick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Um, I think we close the book on that. Um, Bray, is back. Let's get to the next thing. Uh, we, we saw some uh, faces uh, rejoin the lineup. First time in over a month, Yohan Mankata. Um, he was back, and Jake Berger finally came back um, today. So um, what did you think, return-wise, uh, either of these guys jump off where you want? 
You know, Mankata hit a couple of balls hard here over the weekend. Um, he, he did have a double that, uh, you know, was was close to getting out of the ballpark. I think that was on set was that Saturday night. Um, I think so. Yeah. So you know, he had that he a couple of good plate appearances in there. Um, you know, and then Jake Berger just doing what he's been doing all season to this point. Uh, really showing no ill effects of that oblique injury. Um, go and find the left field bleachers right away here. I think it was in his second at bat. Uh, this afternoon. So doing what he has done all season, providing consistent power when he is in the lineup. And we are now at the point here. And we talked about this before he went on the IL. Jake Berger has to be in the lineup every day, whatever that means, whomever that means you have to sit. If that, you know, means Andrew Vaughn has to sit every once in a while, uh, Gavin Sheets, you know, Eloy, Yohan Mankata. I mean, the fact of the matter is one of them odds are is going to be hurt. So, you know, the DH spot is, or some spot is going to be available. But Jake Berger, his bat needs to be in the lineup. Yeah. Period. Right. I, I agree 100%. You saw the immediate impact he makes when he comes back and blasts a home run. Get, keeps you in the game, right? Um, uh, you know, I know they weren't able to uh, come back and complete the rally, but it at least give you a shot, a little more hope there. Um, and, and I think his, you know, his presence too, he's, he's a good clubhouse guy. That's a good shot in the arm. Uh, for the team, so to say. Um, and then Makata, I mean, you know, th- I worry about this. It, it was, I think he looked okay um, all weekend. I know he did get hit in the toe. And then the, you always wonder when you see a trainer come out, hold your breath a little bit. Um, but you and I were talking about this a little bit. And I wanted to bring it to the listeners here. And I'm just concerned, knowing what we know from just our research and then the medical um, people that you talked to that and were able to relay this information on me. I'm just concerned about the smallest little thing throwing Yohan Mankata off again, because that's a protruding disc in his back and feel like that's something that can be aggravated very easily. Yeah. And so I'll give a little bit of context for the listeners here. For those of you that don't know, I do have an actual day job. I fool people into thinking that I am a professional. So um, I am in the medical sales arena and I do a lot of work with orthopedic spine surgeons and when the diagnosis of Mankata's protruding disc in his back um, was announced, I had a text conversation with one of the spine surgeons I work with pretty regularly. And he had mentioned to me basically that because of the fact that it's the disc is causing radiating pain going down into his leg, that that is something that is consistent with an injury that is not going to just go away, it is something that can flare up at really just random moments the slightest movement can cause that disc to um, do some things and and to cause that radiating pain to present itself again. So it really does come down to, at this point, Mankata having a good plan in place with the training staff here to maintain flexibility and pliability and just making sure that he's doing the proper maintenance and getting appropriate rest, uh, which... You know, depending on what you hear on social media, isn't always you on a kind of strong suit here. Um, but this is something that the likelihood is there is going to be a flare up at some point during the course of the season. We don't know when, and it might just be a little tiny thing that could happen sliding to avoid a tag. You don't know what it could be, but the probability that this is something that is not going to go away is there from the conversations I've had. Yeah, right. Uh, I think that's a good rundown of it. But that, that just, um, you know, it puts another kind of uh, seed of doubt in my mind. And I, I, I like this comment that our guy Matt says, I'm concerned that wearing a White Sox jersey is an autoimmune disease. It feels like that. It really does feel like that. Uh, but for Mikata specifically, 
Because we've seen it in the past, and it's just like you said, something like sliding into a base, diving for a ball in the field, and it's like a slow get up, and then you're wondering, it's like, is he actually like hurt, or is he just, you know, is it pride hurt, or is it, you know, you just like did something awkward on the play, but he's still going to be okay, and it feels like that happens a lot with him, <laughs> very frequently, and now when I see that happen, I'm going to think the worst about Beck, um, so I really hope it's something that he's able to manage, but I'm also kind of just feeling like it's going to be inevitable. Right. And you're just waiting. It's like a time bomb and you're just waiting for it to go off. Yeah. I think that's a pretty fair assessment of the situation. And we've seen this with him and a number of other guys on this roster that, you know, he'll go and something, something will happen out, out there on the field and he'll wince. It'll be caught on camera. Everybody on twitter.com will be seeing and saying, Oh, here we go again with Moncada. And then two innings later, he gets removed from the game, and then it turns into an injury update, and we don't see him for two or three days. Um, That is a very real legitimate fear at this point, unfortunately. Yeah, um, that's just the the hand that we're dealt here. That's all we can do to deal with it here. Um, So we'll see. Um, But, you know, it was good to see him play in in all the games and, uh, you know, I know Tim Anderson has kind of been on the, he's more back into his regular schedule, but I think everybody was a little bit frustrated in that um, he was, you know, playing a couple and then sitting and then playing a couple and then sitting, but it seems like that one's evened out. We'll see about uh, Mankata, uh, what the plan that they have in place is there. Cause I would imagine he's not ready to be fully pushed if that's going to be the extent of that injury there. And just the details of it sounds you know, volatile, I guess uh, is the best word that I can use to describe it. All right. You talked about catching things, you know, the camera picking up things uh, on the field. I'm going to transition this over to Tim Anderson because there's a big stink about an exchange between him and Jose Abreu while Tim Anderson was at first base and he wasn't able to advance on a, a, you know, a pitch that got away from the catcher, but he couldn't see it in between the catcher's legs and between the umpire's legs, couldn't advance. Um, and then he was, you know, fans gave him, you know, a little razz from the stands um, for not advancing there because, you know, White Sox trying to come back and win, you know, tie up this game. But he turns to Abreu and it looks like he says at least one of the lip readings, you know, choose your variation of what you want here. But it was feared that he had said, I hate this place, man. I hate it. And Abreu seemed to like nod and agree. I don't know if that's exactly what was said, Steve. I'm not a master lip reader, but. That was a big stink on Twitter. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, there are, you know, there seem to be three different um, prevailing thoughts on this. Uh, One that it was he he did say, as as you mentioned here, I hate this place, man. The other one, the other two that we keep seeing people kind of floating around, and this is what the team officially said because Vinny Duper um, got some comments after the game, was um, saying that I hate the pitch clock. You know, because Tim did have a, a pitch clock violation earlier in the game. There were actually four pitch clock violations in this game. And I, that's by far the most that we have seen in a game involving this team here in uh, 2023. So there, there was that. And then there was another one that people are saying he uh, said, I should be at second base. So you've got three very distinct, different possibilities here. Um I think, unfortunately, just given the negative shitstorm that is surrounding this team right now, a lot of people are clinging to him saying, I hate this place, man. Um, that's just, unfortunately, a byproduct of where this team is at. And because they are 14 and 28, 
everybody wants to assume the worst with it right now. And because let's be real about this also. Tim's playing like shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, he's I, I know Anthony and I had talked about this um, you know, earlier on in the weekend and last weekend on here, but we really need to be aware of the fact that Tim Anderson, the guy that is always talked about as the straw that serves the drink, the igniter, the table setter, the one that makes this engine go, he's not doing his fucking job. Period. End of story. Um He's really just been a single slap dick hitter, you know, very much like Jose Abreu. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been 10 months since Tim Anderson hit a home run. The last time he hit a home run was like July 18th in Minnesota last year. So the inability for him to drive the baseball and be an impact player at the top of this lineup is a big part of the reason why this team is in the position that they are in right now. Right. And so I think a lot of that frustration that he's having from his performance is kind of spilling over at this point. And then it just kind of lends itself to fans and a lot of the external speculation about, oh, did he say, I hate this place? Right. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of, uh, I think it's once again, a good rundown of what all happened there. And I think, you know, we're, we're kind of trained to, you know, ex- expect the worst, you know, prepare, prepare, prepare in that mindset. Um, so I think it was easy for everybody to, um, you know, sit there and say, okay, yeah. Did he say that maybe? And because the prevailing thought is we all hate it too. That's the title of this episode. I hate it here. Uh, so that was the inspo uh, behind that. But um, yeah, I think the analysis of Tim Anderson there, it's, it makes me sad because this team doesn't have any swagger, Steve, that that's really what, what they're missing. Obviously you go look at the numbers and they need more power. They need, you know, uh, more doubles, more, you know, get them on base more so we could steal more bases, have a little bit better plate approach, all of that stuff. But more importantly for me is the swagger and then the confidence of the group around him because we talk about straw that stirs the drink, you know, hashtag set the tone, something that we love here at Sox on tap. We haven't been setting much, you know, much of a good tone at all um, at any point this year. And, and it's really sad because I want to bring back set the tone, but um, you need Tim to get going to be able to do that. You're absolutely right, Jonathan. Unfortunately, the tone that has been set here for this team has been a negative one and has been one of just woe is me. Everything that can go wrong is going wrong. And that just sucks. And you can see it's permeating through that clubhouse. And you can see Pedro Grifol is starting to crack already. Before that game on Friday, um, you know, lawyer boy hid and, and didn't do his usual media scrum trying to say that it, this day was about Jose Abreu. I'm not sure what, you know, going in there and giving a bunch of non-answers three hours before the game has to do with Jose Abreu or anything, but um, whatever. And then Pedro Grifol, um pulled a closed-door meeting before the game, and he made a snarky little comment when asked about it by one of the beat writers. He said, well, you know, maybe this is happening because we're 13 and 26. You know, so obviously the guy that talked a big game in Glendale about preparation and all the little things that they were going to do right, he's obviously realizing that uh, things are not going the way that he said that they were going to go, and they are not setting the tone that he said that they were going to. 
Yeah, right. And, um, you know, I think that can all just be attributed to the fact that they haven't had a true 7-10 start yet because that's when they were preparing to kick asses. So you, you get the rain and then a couple hour delay. It didn't start till 9:20, So that's not a true seven ten. Uh, you had six fifteen for the national game on Saturday. And then obviously a Sunday one ten today. So, um, well, day, Tuesday it is uh, Yeah, another much needed off day. We had all of them are much needed because it's better when the white Sox don't play, to be frank with you. Um, but yeah, Tuesday is the next scheduled one. So who knows? Maybe we can get a true seven ten and see when one of those ass kickings is coming. Um, I hate having to go back and meme that, but the jokes write themselves. He said it, he put a qualifier on it, and guess what? They haven't been kicking anyone's ass. So, um, that, how amazing would that be if they came out and just like smoked Cleveland like thirteen to like five on Tuesday? Like they actually did an ass kicking. I think that'd be hilarious. I would definitely get a chuckle out of that. Um, everybody knows I love seeing bad things happen to the Cleveland Guardians. So that would be very fitting, and it would definitely put a smile on my face, and, and it would be ironic in a sense. Yeah, and, you know, we talk about this, and obviously there, there's problems that run deep with, with this team and with this organization. Um, it's not just the roster. But Pedro is a guy that has to go and, you know, stay, stand there and talk to the media after every game and usually after another tragic loss. Um, I would – I really hope he does give it, you know, push back on that a little bit. Makes it makes a off, you know, like a little reference to it if they do win that game. I, I want to, I'm here for it. I want, I want to see all the drama and I want to see it uh, unfold like that. And guess what? The best part about that is if he's shoving it back in our faces, that means White Sox are winning again. So that, that would be ideal for me. It's like I always say, I'm very comfortable being wrong in my assessments or my evaluations of things if it is to the White Sox benefit, because being wrong and the White Sox being good and having positive things happen to them is going to put me in a better mood than me being right about them being shitty. Yes, I agree. A hundred percent. All right. I want to talk just a little bit more about Rick Hahn because you and I were out to eat there and then we could go and get this, uh, you know, um, notification that he's not going to be speaking uh, to reporters. You had said fucking coward. I think that's a good description of it. Um, But Steve, what happened to the put it on me? Uh, you know, kind of line that we got before last homestand when he had to answer for the dog shit trip that they had to was it Toronto and Tampa. You know, it is uh, really interesting to see him, you know, kind of dodge the the media scrutiny after a disastrous road trip. Um, like, everything he just says is complete bullshit at this point, and it's very obvious. Fire up the My Cousin Vinny meme. Exactly. Your yes. Honor, everything that everything guy that just said is bullshit. <laughs> yes, it is so It is so true. I have that gift saved in my phone. Um, I bust it out every once in a while. I don't use it as much as some of the other ones that I use on uh, Twitter.com. But I think, you know, I'm going to have to start busting it out when uh, Rick Hahn does decide to speak. And, you know, hopefully somebody challenges him on Tuesday about the fact that he no-showed on Friday. And again, I think it's just a convenient cover. And I think it's complete bullshit to hide behind Jose Abreu's first game back. And it's like, Oh, this day is all about him. Again, what is Rick Hahn sitting in the dugout talking to reporters at four o'clock in the afternoon going to take away from Jose Abreu? What? Jack shit. Exactly. So that's just a convenient high or a convenient way for him to hide and be a coward. 
and not have to face the music, which let's be real. This is something that this organization really excels at. I mean, hell, you know, they canceled Sockstuff for multiple factors. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, we all know they don't want to face the music. Right. Yeah. And you know what? It is a tough spot to be in. Um, I don't envy him, but at the same time, it's his fucking you, job. Yeah. You, you, you made your, you, uh, made the mess. So you, you got to go and clean it up. And I have no faith in him to be able to do that because Steve, when we're on, while well, we're on the topic of Brickon, everybody talks about, Oh, it's time to trade. And anytime a player, you know, Giolito does well, okay, well, he's going to be a, you know, insert, you know, he's going to be wearing a insert team name uniform come whatever the, the hot ones always been tim anderson to your barves um you know whatever people go and throw these around i don't i don't want Rickon making these decisions because the hall is gonna get they're gonna be you know so you could could look great on paper then it's just not gonna pan out because everything that guy touches is just tainted at this point and it's time to move on that's where i stand yeah and and i've kind of been of that mindset that he should not be allowed along with ken williams um to make the decisions on moving any of these pieces the sad fact right now is that he shall remain nameless is not going to remove any of them during the season we know this to be the case we know that this is something that is going to have to wait until the off season if it happens at all which i think is still not a guarantee i think things have to continue to get really bad which we're going down that path already and i think it has to get to a point where he is getting just publicly shamed by the likes of jeff passan uh ken rosenthal to the point where he is so embarrassed that he has to go to ken williams and to rickon and say okay guys we're gonna just uh give you a different job title here and we're going to bring in somebody else to clean up your mess instead of giving you the opportunity to do rebuild 3.0 um it would be great if that could happen right now because a serious organization and a serious owner seeing this disaster this train wreck unfolding right before our eyes would have them fire tomorrow and would immediately be beginning the search to bring in a new head of baseball operations to go and completely strip this thing down so that come July or and actually technically it's August 1st. So come the August 1st deadline, you are in position to move the movable pieces that you do have. Right. Um, I, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe I read this though. Is Han not the second longest tenured GM only behind Cashman? Is that true? Or was that, that, was that wrong? I believe that is the case. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, you think, you think about this. Every team that has won the World Series in the last five years has had a change in their general manager, top decision-making person. And that's just in the last five years for teams that won the fucking World Series. Not winning two measly playoff games. Right. They have the trophy, the thing you play for. And those organizations said, we're going to make a change unbelievable yeah it, it, but hey the white Sox don't have an accountability problem no. Kirk and williams that we, we hold ourselves very accountable every day everyone in these walls we know that when we come into work every day we're focused on trying to build the white Sox back to a competitive championship team to make all of our fans proud <laughs> hey great i love the you know we that's i believe the second time that you've broken out the ken williams uh impersonation here i, I think you do a great job of that uh but 
it's so sad that we have so much bulletin board material here at Socks on Tap, Steve. We were able to go and pick and choose these quotes. I go, you know, open up the file. Okay, here's Rick Hahn. Uh, we got Kenny Williams. We got Jerry on the few occasions that he speaks, but only at seminars and weird shit like that. Um, and then you could go down to the list of the manager, Pedro Grafol. Yo, know, where's my Luis Robert file about not knowing Charlie Montoyo's name? There's so much shit. It's so bad. Dude, I hate it here. I hate it here. <laughs> It wasn't supposed to be like this. I mean, here we are. It's May 14th. And um, this is the most miserable I've been during a baseball season in my adult life. It wasn't supposed to be this way. It's, yeah, it's it's bad. Okay. It's bad. Uh, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Okay. Uh, all right. A few other notes um, from this. Uh, we'll, we'll look ahead to the uh, upcoming uh, stretch of games here. Obviously, Cleveland's in town first time seeing them uh, this season, but uh, I'll do so without Elvis Andrews. That means Romy's uh, back from the injured list there. Steve, not extremely notable because Elvis Andrews was not at his same level of on this kind of you know stretch that he was um, when he first joined the White Sox. Um, but you go and look at it. He's only missed all but, well, now – of the games that he was healthy for, he only missed one. He only sat out one time. So that's like a model of, you know, um, at least availability. You know, we talked about that availability, best ability. Um, I feel like this is something that will go under the radar and that a team that's already falling on hard times, losing one of its veteran leaders, because it's not so much in the stat column, right? It's not Elvis Andrews is a great run producer. It's not, he's a world beater at second base defensively. But he's the kind of guy that helps carry them through some of the shit. And when they did have the that little flash of starting to win a couple series and playing a little bit better, he was one of the guys leading the charge in the jacket thing and, you know, uh, breaking up Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez when they had their little, you know, scuffle about who's going to catch the ball in right field. Um, I know it's only 10 day absence, he'll probably still be around the clubhouse, but um, that's one thing I just kind of look at and you make note of it, but you don't think it's going to be that important. But then if something goes really awry here, if they have a really bad incident, something that happens here, you're going to be like, man, bet we're going to miss some of that, you know, veteran presence there. That's my thought on it. Yeah, no, it's interesting that you bring that up because I saw something on Twitter.com earlier today about um, teams in the last, I'm going to say it was like 15 years that were at least at one point, like eight and a half games out of a playoff spot that eventually ended up either winning the division or winning a wild card. And one such team was the 2015 Texas Rangers that Elvis Andrus was a starting shortstop for. So he's been on teams that have had similar starts and, and gotten off to underwhelming uh, performances to kick off a, a long 162 game grind before. And so he's, got that experience and he can draw upon that and kind of impart some of that knowledge to some of the young guys on this team and not having him out there. You're, you're right. I mean, that is something that, you know, can, can hurt a little bit in the sense that, like you said, he wasn't producing a great deal offensively, but being able to just talk to guys in the dugout and be like, Hey, you know, that I saw this, um, it, with this particular at bat or, you know, on this play, you know, defensively here, this is something that you want to think about and be mindful of out there. So whether he's going to be in the dugout as, you know, regularly now with this injury here, um, is something that's going to be worth monitoring and, and keeping an eye on here. But, um, yeah, that's, that is a, a, I think a little bit of an underreported point here. Um, 
in this, like I said, evolving shitstorm that is the 2023 White Sox. Right. And obviously, you know, White Sox are not a good team, no matter how much Pedro Grafol is going to say that. You know, we got the Bart Simpson meme with the chalkboard there <laughs> when he says that. Um, however, you still are a unit of 26 guys, right? And you still have to trudge through this. It's not going to stop. Season's not just going to end because you suck. It doesn't work that way. And to do that, you need high character guys. You need high baseball IQ guys. You need glue guys. And that's the best descriptor I can think of for Elvis Andrew. He is an ultimate veteran glue guy that helps hold the friggin' morale. Um, even though it might be low, <laughs> helps hold it together there. So um, th- I just wanted to highlight that because uh, he was in the news for that going on the injured list. Um, I believe it's oblique. Uh, same thing that kind of Jake Berger was dealing with. So um, hopefully that's same deal with him. Uh, comes off right at the 10 day uh, mark there, but um, looking ahead this week, Steve, uh, we got Cleveland in town for three um, after the off day and then Kansas city um, for the weekend set, um, man, Cleveland is falling on hard times with injuries and they're not challenging the level that I thought they would in the division. And I feel like we're still going to find a way to fucking lose to these guys. Why, why, why do I feel like this, Steve? <laughs> um, probably because for much of the past 15 years, they inevitably do find a way to lose games to the Cleveland Indians slash Guardians, whatever the fuck you want to call those losers from the mistake by the lake. They just find a way. Usually it involves Jose Ramirez hitting a home run late in the game. Um, More recently, Josh Naylor. Yeah, yeah, we just passed the one-year anniversary of that debacle that really kind of accelerated the downward spiral that we've been on here. Um, It just sucks, you know, like you said, Cleveland having the injuries and the underperformance that they've had to this point. Naturally, of course, it has to happen in a season when the Sox are shitting down their legs collectively and they can't take advantage of it. So I think at this point, if – if anything positive can kind of come from this sock season at this point, um, drag Cleveland down with you. You right. know, I, I mean, I guess that's the best that, that we can hope for at this point. Um, you know, that would make it now 75 years for them without a world series. If uh, they don't do it again this year, which they won't because they're Cleveland. So, you know what? Do your part and help bury these assholes, I guess. Right, yeah. And first time, you know, with the balanced schedule here, first time seeing them, yeah? Um, we yeah. have not gone out there yet, so this is uh, interesting. Usually we'd probably have at least one or two series uh, under the belt against these guys. Uh, and then you get another crack at the Royals weekend after. And, Steve, I want the guys to just have some fucking pride, please. You got embarrassed blown out in two of those games when you lost three of four to Kansas city and squashed any positive momentum that you had just drummed up from winning series against the twins and winning a series against the reds over the weekend. That's embarrassing. Have some pride and go out there and kick some asses against Kansas city Royals team that embarrassed you last week. Everyone might say it's too little too late, but my God, have a backbone and not protruding disc backbone. That's very well said right there. Um, Look, this season is a lost cause for the Sox, but they did. They got royally, no pun intended, embarrassed last week in Barbecue City. So go out there. Be a little bit pissed off. Have an edge to you. You're playing on your home field. 
And from what happened a week ago, if you let them come in there and do the same thing to you again, then you really are just helping to perpetuate the narratives that are out there, that you are a team that lacks any kind of pride, that lacks any kind of heart, any kind of desire. Because that Royals team, that is a dog shit team. I know everybody is going to sit there and say, and, and for fair reason, that the Sox are a dog shit team as well. But there is no reason that that team should come onto your home field and beat you the way yeah. that they did last week. Yeah. If that happens again, holy hell, it's going it, to it's going to get really ugly. Yeah, the, the only, You know how I'll measure it if they have an ounce of pride is they have to sweep. I don't want them. I want Kansas City to win one game on our field. That, that's what you have to do to atone for that mess that was that four game set out there in Kansas City. I, I seriously, that, that one still it just gets at me, man. It's like I said, have some pride, please. Just have some pride. That, that's that's what I want to see. Some passion and like I'm thinking about this. You know why the Sox were able to pull out a win on Saturday night? Why is that? Because AJ was in the building and he brought TWTW with him. Something that they lack. Other you than know, that. funny that you bring up uh, AJ. You know, I I tweeted this out. Guy has been working for Fox in the broadcast booth for five or six years now. At this point, on the national broadcast, and they spell his name wrong. Right. Yeah, at the place that he is most synonymous. For, the place he won a World Series, and they spell his fucking name wrong. Yeah, that was on the Fox broadcast, right? Yeah. I, was at, I was at the game, yeah. so I only saw your picture that you yeah. took of it. So, yeah, that's get it right. I mean, he's going to leave them full time for foul territory as soon as that starts ticking off. That, yeah. That's the kind of treatment he's going to get. Um, and I'm sure there'll be no shortage of rumors about AJ <laughs> assuming a position of some sort. Hey, um, I wouldn't go and throw him into a manager role, but um him being around like i said the twtw is there white Sox are able to pull out a win so draw your own conclusions it's hashtag confirmed yeah it's it's, it's science but yeah yep, the, it checks out that, that gets to my point about you know pride have some pride about the royals thing well have some twtw we we you know that's what it all comes down to fire passion grit twtw all of that shit um it, it's you know when, when i'm out there tailgating and lot b steve and i go and i look up at the you know the big um entrance uh you know uh bridge there that they have that's going over 35th street there um when i see those words pride passion tradition it just makes me sad because i don't play with fucking ounce of any of them and, and that's like i'm putting in more of a shift in the parking lot than they are when they go out there and take the field right now the only tradition that is surrounding this team has been a tradition of mediocrity at best for the last decade and that's not a tradition that you want so at some point someone has to come along to turn the tide on that and start playing with some fucking pride what's it going to take i don't know <laughs> yeah right um we shall see um that's you know off day monday and then series against cleveland three uh and then kansas city in for three um how do you think this next six game stretch goes prediction time well, one one thing before I get to my prediction aspect, and, and, uh, kind of a little underreported thing that I saw was that none of the Sox starters have been announced for this Cleveland series here. Pedro Grafol actually said, and I don't know if this has changed over the last couple of hours, that they might be reshuffling the rotation a little bit here leading mm. into this series. So that's kind of fascinating right there to think that you've got 
this series coming up. You got a three game stretch against a divisional opponent. And here we are. Nothing has been announced as far as who is going to be taking them out on what days. Um, so that almost kind of makes me wonder, are there more changes coming to this roster that we don't know about? I mean, we saw the big shuffle that took place, you know, two weeks ago when we had 11 uh, transactions take place. You know, we talked about this a couple of nights ago with Davis Martin um, being shut down in Charlotte with the forearm issue. So he's obviously not uh, walking through that door here. But if, you know, Lance Lynn is not the guy taking the ball Tuesday for his scheduled spot, um, it's going to be a little bit of a head scratcher there. So Yeah, it, um, I don't think they're in a position to do it just because of what you mentioned there, but um, with Lance Lynn and the Davis Martin situation. But do you think DFA is – the possibility i'm not saying i'm not saying a, a, a dfa from last night i legitimately am trying to figure out what exactly it could be and i don't know what real options they have at this point here i mean they're not going to bring up garrett crochet yet i know they're talking about you know trying to stretch him out to be a multi-inning guy right. and you know there's part of my brain right now that's almost thinking does it make sense to just try to stretch him out entirely in the minor leagues this year with the intent of maybe putting him in the rotation in 2024. I don't, I don't know at this point what any of this could mean, but again, the fact that they are coming out and saying that they might reshuffle this rotation a little bit is very perplexing. Right. I mean, there's only so much you can do though, right? Because yeah. if you're going, if you're going to do a reset now of the rotation, I know they had bumped it about the only change that they made in the rotation was that one time when they flipped uh giolito in front of lance lynn right and that was about all they did they haven't done much and other than that it's kind of carried on in the same order that it has been since the beginning of the season now if you're doing this what it was cease so your top options right you're talking about giolito probably right now in terms of just recency uh, i know cease threw well through the ball well on saturday night but um those two options are just fresh off here so it's something to do with lance lynn i would have like I just feel like you don't have any other options. He's going to have to throw it. Maybe if it's not Tuesday night, he's going to have to throw it at some point in the series, right? Yeah. Yeah. Unless, unless maybe Michael Kopech. I, I, like, this is a. a like, I, I, can, I can see him, like, if they wanted to, like, flip and have, like, Clevenger start Tuesday. But then, like I said, Lance would still have to find a spot in there, right? Yeah. No, this is uh, very, very perplexing to say the least. So hopefully we get some sort of answer and some sort of clarity tomorrow uh, leading into the series opener on Tuesday here. But because I would venture to say they wouldn't wait until Tuesday morning uh, to do something like right. that. So this will be fascinating to kind of watch the uh, twatter wire tomorrow to see what gets announced. Yeah. But, right. Um, you know, prediction wise, I have no confidence in this team's ability to win a series against Cleveland. Even as bad as Cleveland is playing right now with the injuries that they have, Shane Bieber is on the mound on Tuesday, and that's usually how you say not good for the Sox. So um, I don't anticipate any deviation from what we've seen in recent memory on, from that aspect of things. And I just uh, I think they'll be lucky if they win a game. All right. That's, yeah. that's where we're at. I, you know, um, I, I talked all that stuff about having pride and all that. Um, I, 
I feel like they're going to do all right. They're going to three and three is my prediction for this home, the rest of this homestand here. But the way that they do that is losing two of three to the Guardians. Then they will pull their shit together a little bit against the Royals and take two of three from them, but they'll probably fall in like, I don't know, one of those games. I don't know exactly which one yet, but I'm just getting this feeling they'll fall in one of them. So then I can come back here on the show next Sunday and talk about how it was unacceptable and they don't have a backbone because they didn't do the sweep. Like I said, it was a prerequisite. <laughs> I think that's a pretty likely outcome. Um, I'm going to say two and four for the okay. week. I think, I think they get swept by Cleveland and I think they win two out of three against Kansas City. It's With all those injuries. It makes me fucking sick. It really does. It makes me, it makes me sad to even sit here and, um, you know, pedal that, but that's, that's the level of where we're at. Yeah. Hence title of this episode. I hate it here. All right, Steve, we're about close to closing this one down. Thanks to everybody for tuning into Sunday Funday. And remember, make sure you're subscribed on Tap Sportsnet on YouTube so you don't miss a future show. Um, before we close down, Steve, give me your final thought, and then let's get out of here. Final thoughts, you know, coming into the week, you had some positive vibes going a, a little bit. They had a nice week the prior week, taking two out of three from Minnesota and from Cincinnati. And you thought, hey, you know, put together another good quality week here. You got Kansas City, ter- team even worse than you. And then you're coming home to Houston, the team that you actually played pretty well. But again, another banged up team. So you've got a chance to put together two good weeks in a row. And they squandered all of the positive vibes and the positive momentum very, very quickly. And now we are reaching DEFCON level four or five here in terms of um, panic. Actually, I think we're past the panic stage at at this juncture. I mean, it's just full-blown crisis mode with this organization right now. And it just flat out sucks. The vibe in the ballpark, at least on Friday, I know, granted, the rain delay probably factored into this a lot. There was no energy in that place at all. I was back there Saturday, and I will say a little bit more, but even then, it was a low crowd, a low number for Saturday. I believe it was 23K around there for Saturday night with a bobblehead giveaway. That's that's That tells you where things are right now, in my opinion. Yeah, that says a lot about just the overall mindset of this fan base right now. And like I said, it just it sucks. Um, to your point, come out this week and – Sack up, play with some fucking pride. That's it. Yep, uh, I'm right there with you. I think you had a good summation of uh, the state of the organization. My final thought would be, uh, if you have a rain delay um, and you're at the game and you're thinking about getting beers, uh, treat fifth inning as the last call um, because apparently you can't buy it after fifth inning uh, when, when there's a two-hour rain delay. So um, they just soaked up the sales from the, during that time that was raining and then screwed the fans that did stick around um, and, and waited it out. So, yeah. I was pissed about that on Friday night. So treat the fifth inning as last call. And that's twice now this season. And and you would think that he who shall remain nameless wouldn't want to do that, that he would be all about getting that additional two hours of of beer sales and then not shutting everything down in the fifth inning. It's, again, I think emblematic of the disarray within this organization. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, you got to go look up to the north and at Milwaukee, they're selling beer until like the eighth inning now. So, you know, that's just just great. Just cherry on top of everything. Uh, you know, a bad product of the field and a bad product in the game day operations uh, department. So 
that's all I've got for this episode of Socks on Tap. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, make sure you go check out ontapsportsnet.com and follow us on socials at Socks on Tap and at ontapsportsnet. All right, we'll be back uh, on Tuesday after Socks versus Guardians. Till then, have a good one. White Socks forever. White Socks for life. <laughs>